0: Hi friends, this is Callie Cowan and you're listening to the Doing Good Well podcast. This is a podcast about the dreamers, idealists, and visionaries who are changing the world for the better. Their stories will inspire you to do good and do it well. Today I am excited to have Diane Weed. As a guest of the podcast, Diane is the founder and executive director of The Twig, which is an organization that serves children in foster care, and she also happens to be my mom. So welcome to the podcast, Mom. Hi. (laughs) We're going to have a good time on this podcast telling some stories, but um, I want to start with this idea of The Twig. For those who are listening who may not be familiar with The Twig, how would you describe what it is that you do at The Twig? Um,
1: Well, we serve children that are in foster care, and everything that we do is to help them feel encouraged and inspired. Um, These kids come in with um, situations that by no fault of their own, they're in. And we just want to remind them that they're loved and that they have a future and they have a God that cares about that.
0: So what does it look like on a day-to-day basis? How do you serve them? They, we
1: have a, a store that looks like an upscale boutique. And so the idea is for they feel like just like any other kid uh, going shopping, uh, except for our store has no cash register. So everything that they uh, get is totally free. Uh, but we have a dressing room. We have people to help them shop. We have everything. Uh, Everything in the store is either new or we work real hard to make them think it's new. Um, So it's just, again, making them feel normal in a time that there's nothing normal going on in their life.
0: So I want to kind of walk this back to telling the story about how you came up with the idea for the twig. Take us back. So that was about, what, three and a half years ago now? Yes. So three and a half years ago, what was going through your head? Where did this idea come from?
1: Well, nothing was going through my head. (laughs) I was taking care of uh, your third child that was a new baby. That's right. And um, I was feeling very overwhelmed. I, you know, um, had taken care of a baby full time uh, is a lot of work. And, uh, but... Now looking back, God had planted seeds in my heart long before that time that he actually gave me the um, completion of the work that he wanted me to do. Uh, I can look back now on things I wrote years ago and realize that he was planting things. Um, But at that time, um, my youngest daughter who we had gotten out of the foster care system when she was five months old she uh was a senior in high school and we were shopping all the time um that's what you do with girls uh but you really do it their senior year it seems like every time we turned around there was a, an event we had to go to and of course heaven forbid you'd wear the same outfit you wore for the last event or that your sister may have wore for that event or you know So we were shopping and I uh, just thought, where would she be shopping if she was still in foster care? And those words just kept ringing in my head. And it's funny because through life, I had tried to do different things. You know, I'd always been a stay-at-home mom and I really felt like that was what I was supposed to do. But you know how you just have this thing in your head that you're supposed to do something else, but you just don't know what it is. And I had stumbled along different things. Things and either people turn their nose up to the idea, or, or it was just not in my wheelhouse. You know, there was just it wasn't something I knew anything about, so it didn't work. Um, but when this idea came to me, it was something I knew. I had thrift, my earliest memories are being in thrift stores. I mean, I remember as a baby sitting in the pile of clothes as my mom was going through them trying to find clothes for the family. You know, so this is something I really knew. And uh, it just kind of grew from that.
0: I think that's so cool how things um, in our past and our lives have prepared us for things that we may not even see coming. I mean, even from the way that you were raised and quite frankly, the way that I was raised, knowing how to choose good used items in a thrift store.
1: Oh, yeah. It's second nature. Like I know you you check a crotch of a pair of pants and you check the elastic and you check the, you know, those are things that just I learned how to do like I learned how to use a fork. (laughs) I
0: mean, you know, you just you just do it. And so walk us through that here practically. Um, So how do we, how have you made sure that the twig is not, you know, like another clothing closet? What sets this place apart?
1: Well, that was important to me because growing up in thrift stores, um, which I have no problem with, but when you're a teenager, you think your mom is the only one shopping at those places. And um, when I was growing up, Uh, Salvation Army was underneath the bridge in town. And I used to just pray that my mom would be out of there before the bus would go over the bridge because I didn't want everybody in town to know that that's where my things came from. Right or wrong, that's how I felt. And knowing that, I felt like other kids wanted a place that they didn't know that it was some place for children in foster care. So my whole goal was to make this not... So the, the, the name does not reflect that. The name is just a name that they could tell. Oh, I went to this boutique called The Twig. It's, you know, everything's about just making it seem normal to them. <clears throat> so inside The Twig, what we did was um, we use all like hangers. <clears throat> so everything looks the same, hangs the same. Uh, we tag each item uh, so again it's all about visuals we uh they have bags that they get with tissue paper in it so it's presented as a gift to them so it's just taking the thrift store idea and morphing it into a upscale boutique and then of course there's no cash register again so there's no fee for them uh it's just it is a gift they're coming in and they're shopping we have dressing rooms um everybody has you know the stores broke up into departments um so and there's a lot of merchandising that goes on in the store it's always changing it's always looking different it's always um so yeah so it's a fun place for them to come it's
0: uh bright and it's cheery and um that's that's how we do it. So it's been cool to me to hear stories um, from kids that have come in and shopped and to hear what their expectation was when they were told, oh, we're going to go to this place. Um, we just got a story from some youth who've aged out of foster care that came and shopped at the Twig. And I was just reading the story about their reaction when they came in. As they were driving to the Twig, they were kind of thinking, I don't know. I've been to other places. I've always been disappointed. They didn't have the kind of clothes I would want to buy or, or to get, but these particular young ladies were so surprised by the quality of the items at the twig and that they felt really good about the items that they got. It was a very empowering experience for them. And I think that's a testament to what you've attempted to do, that you have carried it out really well.
1: Well, I'm very fortunate in that we live in an affluent society. And so the people that are giving to us are giving us really good stuff. you know, And we really try to select only the best. I mean, uh, we we go to the malls to see what is the latest styles. Uh, I remember when we first started and I got a pair of jeans that were all ripped and I was like, oh my goodness, who would have who donated this? This is ridiculous. And I threw it away. It was, it was, it you know, it was a month later. I went, oh, that's, that's a style now, yeah, right? You know, but I, you know, so it's important to stay up to date with those things because that's what, That's what their friends are wearing. And, you know, again, for them to feel normal, for them to feel accepted, for them not to, you know, have you ever had anything in your life that's, you know, bad going on? You think the whole world can see it, even though nobody can. You feel like you're wearing a sign on front of you that says, I'm different than everybody else. So you don't need your clothes to stand out different. You don't need, you know, you need all the help you can get to fit in. because. On the inside, you're not feeling the same at all.
0: Yeah, and so you mentioned um, that my little sister is adopted from the foster care system. Um, how did that um, play into this with her, you know, graduating high school into the timing of all of this?
1: Well, like I said, it was a really bad time. It was <laughs> well, she was so the year that I did this, like I said, I was babysitting full time. My daughter was in her, my baby girl was in her senior year of high school, so everything's very busy during that time. And my oldest daughter was getting married. It was real easy, and I did, I, 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 I did say, God, can we do this next year? Um, because I can't do it this year. I, I'm too busy. And you know, clearly, he he laughed at me and said, You can't, but I can.
0: How has the twig evolved from those early days to where it is now? Unbelievable. It's been, I could not have
1: imagined the growth, um, the community excitement when I remember when I first um, put out there on social media that I was going to do this, it was really a scary thing because it's one thing to talk about it to your best friend or your kids or your husband and, you know, and even renting a location was like, okay, well, we'll figure out something to do with it if this doesn't work, you know. But when you put it out in social media and you're like, okay, this is like real. I just made this announcement to the world. And uh, it was scary. But, you know, people just kept coming and coming alongside us and said i could help you do this what if i i'm really good at this and again i think about i think about moses and how you know he said god i i can't do this i don't have any ability to do this and he said i i've already sent your for your brother aaron and that's how i feel is that i i clearly have no gifts or talents for this um, I think you sell yourself short, but, but, you know, that's not how I see myself. It's, it's easy for me to talk myself out of the, oh, well, this is a great idea. I should tell somebody else to do this, um, because it's not for me to do, but God showed me that he had surrounded me this whole, I'm reading this book. I just got, um. Oh, what's the name of the book you just... You are, the,
0: you are the girl for the job. You're
1: the girl for the job. Well, you know, it talks about this, that your whole life has, uh, you know, surrounded you with people for the job that God has prepared you for. And this is where way this has been. It's like, oh, okay. I don't know how to do this. Oh, but wait, my husband's a CPA. He knows how to do that. Or, oh, my daughter is a lawyer. She knows how to do that. Or, you know, my uh, my best friend used to own a children's shop. She knows how to do that. So it's a matter of getting out of myself and saying, I can't. But who has God surrounded me with that can? And because of that, our growth has just been, incredible we went from eight kids our first month to over 300 kids a month now um we you know see people from people many many families drive over an hour every month to come see us um and you know it's just been amazing it's it's Close to the birth of my children is that the the most amazing thing to see. Because you know, okay, same thing with birthing children. I can't make a baby on my own just think, oh, I'm going to make a baby. No, God had to do that, you know. And, and this is how I feel about this. It's just, I can't do this. But every day I get to see his miracles. And it's just, it's an amazing thing to watch.
0: I think one of the cool things about your story is that, you were a stay at home mom mm-hmm. for 30 something years.
1: Mm, yeah, I was. I always tell everybody I was a professional room mom.
0: <laughs> a professional room mom. And so, but that's what you felt God was calling to you for that season of your life mm-hmm. is that that is what your most important ministry was. And I know you did other things during that time, but you did not work outside the home for all that time. And yet, when that season came to a close, God had something else for you to do, something that you probably didn't even see coming. And I think sometimes people get stuck at where they are in life and think, you know, maybe this is all that God has for me. And we have no idea what He has coming down the road. You know, there may be something that your greatest legacy could be something, you know, that you start years down the road from where you are right, right now. And so to not give up on dreaming because you never know what God's gonna do. Right. I, I truly believe that
1: dreaming is one of God's greatest gifts that he gives us because it uh, gives you hope for a future. It, you know, and you know, the world's just an amazing place when you start looking at it through the lens of what if.
0: Of possibilities. Possibilities, yeah. But here's what I love about what you did too, is that you didn't just dream of possibilities. You took action. You took action. So Was that scary for you? You talked about posting it was scary, but what were some of the obstacles maybe that you faced at the beginning that did you ever doubt? Like, maybe I didn't hear God right.
1: No, never. And that's what was so amazing about this, because I knew when I heard it from God that it was what I was supposed to do. Fail or not fail, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And I've never felt that so clearly um, but now God had prepared my heart before that. It wasn't like out of the blue. I, um, started reading, I was reading the Circle Maker book, which you had told me to read over and over again for years. I'm and really I... good at recommending books. <laughs> <laughs> well, I now recommend this book to everybody, but it was one of those things that I finally went, okay, I'll read it because I'm sitting at home during nap time. You know, why not read this book? So I did. And it really did touch me and about what am I praying circles around? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I, I think again it was one of the it was the bow on top of the stuff that God had already been working on me. Um and and it just all came together. And so it was very clear. And I, I said the the day that um, you know, have you ever had things that you know something but you're afraid to tell your spouse? <laughs> You know, like, I I always talk about the time that we moved into an apartment, and within a week, I knew I didn't want to live there. And we hadn't even given up the other apartment yet, but we'd moved everything, except for the piano, that we hadn't gotten around the piano being moved yet. And I had to go to my spouse and say, "Mm, you know, I really want to move back to the other place. It was scary, and, you know, he was a great, great husband, and said, okay— And, um, but this wasn't like that. This was, you know, I, I just felt very confident about it. And I just said, I know what we're supposed to do. And I remember we were driving in the car and, um, and I told him and he said, okay. And we immediately started looking for a place to rent. I mean, he just had that conviction that what I was saying was he didn't question it. Not once did he question it. And it, you know, I just felt God had prepared His heart too for what I was going to say, um, because there was no, well, that's kind of crazy. How would that work or anything like that? He just said, "Okay." So,
0: that's awesome. I want to just take it back to those years as a stay-at-home mom, because I don't want to downplay that part of your life. It wasn't as if you were just in a holding pattern until this season came. Can you, for the uh, for the stay-at-home moms that might be listening? How would you define that period of your life as ministry? Oh, boy. Um, I always
1: felt that I was ministering to my children to become the work of God. I never really thought about that I was supposed to be coming the work of God. Again, this goes into my own insecurities, I'm sure. But, yeah, I believe my kids could do anything. And I just, yeah, they they are to learn how to sing praises to the Lord in perfect pitch. They are to learn how to write in perfect grammar. You know, yes, everything I did for my kids was to, for they could um, be prepared for the work that God Uh, had for them
0: but how cool is it that he was actually preparing you for a great work at the same time but i never looked at it
1: that way i you know i never never looked at that way you know to i i believed in them i didn't believe in me but that was okay too because i think the success of this is because i didn't believe in myself Mm. i think it makes it so evident to me that it's god doing this and um you know i think that's that for me, that works. Uh, but yeah, those years, you know, they were lonely years. I, I was a stay at home mom for uh, many years without a car. Um, you know, I. And this is before social media. Before social media, yeah. Um, so there was a lot, a lot of those years that. Um, but again, he was surrounding me. He was pouring into me. Um, there was Bible studies I was going to that there are things that were taught way deep into my, you know, soul that I've learned. Um, I, I, I always say, I, I think I'm a slow learner. That's why God, God <laughs> waited until now to do it. <laughs> You know, some people can learn real quick, and he uses some at a young age, but, you know, there's some of us that, but that's okay, I'm in good company. There's people in the Bible that we're
0: slow learners, too. There you go. <laughs> what would you say to someone who maybe has a dream in their heart, maybe something that they feel it's a God-given dream, but they just don't know what to do with that dream?
1: Pray, pray, pray. Um, and I don't mean just pray. I, I will say I prayed prostrate on the ground This was uh, something that it became very, very uh, heavy in my heart that there was something. And I also have to tell you, I learned years, uh, about 10 years before, excuse me, about before this, is that I always prayed with a map. And I used to always say, okay, God, now if you... Could just get my kid into this school then they'll meet this guy and then their life will look like this mm. and that would be how I would kind of go through life I was giving God all the direction and then something happened in my life that I could not see the map anymore and there was no way to fix it and um, so during that time I always tell people there was an episode of uh, Superman and when Lois Lane died and Superman was so distraught that he, he flew around the earth and spun it backwards. So it could go back in time. And I literally, that was my answer to give to God. When I prayed, I said, God, you could do this. You, you can spin the world backwards and then it would all be okay again. And, uh, he laughed at me. I mean, I remember him laughing at me and saying, I made the world without your help. I think I can <laughs> figure this out without your help. And it taught me not to go to God with a map and just trust. And so my prayer life changed at that moment. And so I think that again, was part of that preparation. I didn't give God what I wanted to do. I didn't even, you know, I, I, didn't, I gave him a suggestion of the timing. Next year would be better, but, I, <laughs> but you know, it wasn't my, it wasn't me, it wasn't my plan. It was God's plan, and so I just prayed around that plan and and give me wisdom, give me discernment, give me encouragement, give me, you know, what is it I'm supposed to do? And so, you no, know, I was very clear uh, in my prayer life about that,
0: and so that would be what I'd suggest for people. So that kind of leads into this question about what would your hopes be for the future, for the twig? Although that's an interesting question when you don't want to give God the map, but do you have dreams and hopes in your heart for what the future holds for this place? Yes. (laughs) I think you always have dreams and ideas. I mean, there's no shortage of that with you. I really want every child
1: and I hate to limit it this way, but I'm going to limit it to every child in the United States to feel uh, that even though that they are in the foster care community, that they have value, that they matter, that our... our, that our country would be aware of these kids, these silent kids. You know, these kids are all around us, and no one knows. I have so many people I tell about the statistics of how many children are in the foster care system. There's over 400,000 in our country. And, you know, people would just start crying and say, I had no idea. Yeah, well, they're in our churches. They're in our schools. They're on our playgrounds. They're all around us. But we're ignoring these kids, you know, these these kids need they need help their statistics don't look good for the future and that's their future is our future as a country so i yes i that's my dream is that um we would start having more conversations about these kids in every aspect our schools need to be talking about these kids our churches need to be talking about these kids um we just need to have conversations that uh, acknowledge that they exist and then what are we going to do about this
0: i think that's awesome so the name of the podcast is doing good well in your own words what what does it mean to do good and do it well to do it
1: the way god wants you to do it you know david took out the took out goliath with a slingshot now, some people probably wasn't didn't think that was, well, he could have done it in a much classier, show, showier <laughs> way, but he didn't. He took what he had, what he knew, and he did it to the best of his ability, and he was successful at that. So I think that's it. Take what you have, do it well, and God will
0: have his outcome the way he wants it. Well, thanks for uh, being on the podcast today. I think you have a great story. I think it is inspiring in so many ways. We were just talking to somebody before we jumped on the podcast about why your story inspires her, and it's because this wasn't your background. You don't have a degree in nonprofit leadership. No, I don't have a degree at all. <laughs> <laughs> so people wouldn't look at you and say, oh, Diane, you are the person that should do this. But when you put yourself in God's hands and said, God, I'm willing God has used you to accomplish great things. And I think that is inspiring for anybody who is listening, that they can do great things, not for their glory, but for God's glory, mm-hmm. as long as he is leading the way. And I think I think the way that you answer that question is just amazing. So thanks for being on the podcast today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. And thanks for always pushing me out of my comfort zone, Callie.
0: <laughs> I do what I can. Yeah. hope you enjoyed today's episode with my mom, Diane Weed, the founder and executive director of The Twig. If you'd like to find out more information about The Twig, you can visit their website at www.thetwigcares.com. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please uh, rate it or review it. And we look forward to seeing you next time here on Doing Good Well.